looking out the territory to see if I've got enough people here to preach to. What a joy it is to be with you again as we love to come this way and share the word of God. We're aware that we're toward objectives that God has designed for us, and I'm just glad that I got a chance to come. We're thankful to Pastor Zink for inviting us to come and just to uh, share with you uh, in the Word of God this morning. We know this is his charge, challenge, and responsibility, so he's taking a great chance, but we think he'll be all right. Amen. Now, I come, I, I come from a church uh, background where uh, two things happens on Sunday morning. One is the preacher says the word. Two, the congregation ratifies it. So if I get to preaching and I say something and you keep quiet, I may be on that one word for the rest of the sermon. <laughs> because you, you got to let me know you heard and if you don't agree with it, let me know, and I got another scripture I'll replace it with. <laughs> well, we're thankful to God. I'm, I, I find that as I come time and time, I'm finding that there's a greater joy growing in this congregation. Amen? Amen. There's a greater love emerging uh, from the shadows of uncertainty, disillusionment. Am I as excited about what I hear of the powerful preaching of uh, Pastor John? And uh, just thanking God for him and for you. And we're here to continue our plight toward a strong testimony for God continually in this area. I'm excited about what I'm seeing, if you will, in CBC. I'm really excited about it. And I want to encourage you to push forward to evangelize this community more and more and to extend of God to those who will come and go, and especially those who will abide with you. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about that. So I'm not used to preaching to a quiet church. If you want to shut me down, stay quiet. <laughs> There's a couple of passages of Scripture I would lift. I had, uh, I had brought a, a, a great sermon with me. However, uh, John told me how long he usually preached, and I thought that won't work. The reading won't work. I don't like people to walk out on me. And that John's is about this long, and mine is that long, and then we have extensions. <laughs> well, you guys are kind of slow this morning. I, I, I got to warm you up here, all right. I, I'm, 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 certainly, I'm certainly grateful for the theme you're using that is, of course, of love and, of course, uh, for your caring one for another. I really appreciated Leslie and the Sunday school class this morning as we dealt uh, with the whole issue of forgiveness. I'll have to take that back home to my wife. <laughs> I will just use a couple of scriptures. I'm not going to use a formal uh, sermon text this morning, but just talk to you a little bit. And that is found, if you will, in First Corinthians 12 and 25 and a couple of the scriptures there. 
<clears throat> understanding that the church is going through some modifications and transition and evolving to another level and opening up the doors of heaven that the Spirit of God might come in and bless us. And it's all right if the Spirit come in. Amen. Good. We're going to leave these two chairs, one for God and one for the Holy Spirit. Well, y'all got quiet on that one, didn't you? <laughs> the Bible says that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And God has set some in the church, first apostles and secondary prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, government, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gift of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but covet earnestly the best gift, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way, a more excellent way. And then that was just a word in, of course, in the uh, uh, First Corinthians 13, it says, and I was rejoicing in the scripture read, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity or love, I am become as sounding brass or tinkling cymbals. And though I have the gift of all knowledge, of prophecy, and understand all the mysteries and all the knowledge. And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. For charity suffers long <clears throat> and is kind. Charity envies not. Charity bondeth not itself, is not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, and thinketh no evil. Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoice in the truth. Beareth all things, believe all things, hope all things, endure all things. Charity never fails. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now by the faith, hope, and charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. I left those scriptures because Paul 
speaks to the church. I call it his hymn of love and his principles of practical Christianity. Paul speaks to the church, and in so he seeks to deal with not only some of the controversies, but gifts in the church and how God has armed us as the people of God to carry out the work of God. And in so doing, he says that it is important for us to understand that each of us have a responsibility not only for the growth of the church, for the expansion of the church, but for the ministry of the church and for the responsibility to making things happen for the kingdom of God. You know, the church on Sunday morning is not just a place for actors to perform, but it is, if you will, a source of spiritual gathering where we come to share. I believe that Wednesday night is for people. But I believe that Sunday morning is for God. Shut up. That's my wife. I believe that Sunday morning is for God. It is a time when we should worship him and allow the spirit of God to really move in us. I would like to have six months with this congregation. And I would just like to move you through if you will, a course in what it means, of course, in my way, of course, I know you do it in your way, I understand that, what it means to just turn God loose among you and let him deal with our intellect and with our capacities and the variability of who we are. Because I believe the church today, God does not have as much free reign. I believe we intellectualize, I believe we deal with stuff so much on the intellectual level until his Holy Spirit kind of stays back in the background, say, I'll be there if you need me. But you know, worship is more than that. Worship is letting go and let God. Worship is letting go and let God. Worship is letting go and let God. Amen. You're all on dangerous territory. There is something that, in looking at this, Paul makes it clear. We are the body of Christ. I don't, I don't, know, if, I don't, know, if you watch, I don't know if you watch this movie, and I'm going to keep it short, I promise you, not less than two hours. But Paul, Paul uh, uh, reminds me of, of this guy that comes on. Uh, he did with a lot of these uh, raggedy shows, I call it. And he, and he always looks sick of these guys who are trying to escape owning their kids. Um, I'm sure you watched him, and he says, you are the father? Okay. We got to get modern TV into here. <laughs> yeah. And, and the, the point I want to say to you, uh, and I want you to say to the person next to you, you are. Uh, I ain't going no further until you say it. Just look at the person next to you. Don't, just look at them and say, you are. God's people. It's important for us to understand. I, I remember when, when, when he sat and this guy sat there and they've been doing all this talking and he says, you are the father. And I, I, want, I want, it is important for you to understand who we really are. And let me just talk for a few minutes and I promise I sit down. You are the people of God. You do have power. You are relevant 
to this generation. You are the keepers of the kingdom agenda. You are called to stand on ground for God and declare to this community that God is still alive among us today. You are somebody in this generation for the devil would like to quiet you down, shut you up, shut you down, and destroy you. And the quieter we are, the louder he is. Someone said that the church is not so, the devil is not so strong, we're just so weak. And he's not so loud, we're just so quiet. And he's not so big, we're just so small. And if we grow to the level that God has made us to be, we have to start with the reality of Paul when it says to us, we are the children of God. For we are a chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood. Did I hear the amen back there somewhere? We, <laughs> we are important. We serve a holy God, for we are God's holy people. And being that, he has challenged us to make a difference. One of the dangerous things of the church today is we spend so much time internalizing, we fail to be effective externally. And so Paul says to us as he follows through with Jesus in John 3:16, when John said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Think about that. He gave you the best he had, and guess what? He asked from you the best that you have. Is that anybody agree with me here? Yeah, he, he, he shares with us the essence of who he is, and he wants from us the essence of who we become once we've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. God is powerful. He's strong, and he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can think or ask. So Paul says here then that understand that we are God's people. We have been empowered by his hand. We are the church, and we can do all things, uh, if you will, uh, through Christ, which strengthens us. Sometimes the devil will get us, and you know, we're so bad right now that some of us think, I'm not sure if they're the devil. Well, call him what you want. You can call him John. You can call him Tom. You can call him Sam. You can call him whoever you want to call him, but he's a devil no less. And the devil uses his tactics to quieten us down. I'm not just talking about Sunday morning worship. I'm talking about our, our testimony. And so he says, remember who you are. That's the first thing I want you to do. Remember who you are. Remember you are powerful. Powerful. Because... Philippians 4.13 says what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, I got three of y'all going with me. Okay. It's important that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens Excuse me if I'm loud. I'm sorry. I had a little kid say in my church once. He said, Dr. Patterson. I said, yes. He said, you a doctor? He said, how come I always go home with a headache? I think because I'm just loud that way. I think we got some aspirins in the back. It is important for you to understand then that as you move forward, and I hopefully can encourage you that being the people of God, you have a challenge in this community to make that difference. 
real. And so Paul, coming out of his whole theme of the gifts we have, he said that we don't all have the same gift, but we all got gifts. We don't have the same input, but we all have input, and God wants to use that. And so then he moved, he moved by way of reference or emphasis to this whole theme of God so loved the world that he gave us his only son. Think about that for a few moments. Think about that. God gave us his only son. His only son. And if he had not given us his only son, he wouldn't have a lot of other sons and daughters. Because we would be somewhere else in the scheme of things. And because Jesus came and died for us on the cross, suffered and died, bore the shame of who we were historically, then we all have become sons and daughters of God. We are all his creation, but all of us have not prodigally come home to claim our heirship for the kingdom of God. And we are called, those of us who are in the house, are called to remind those of us who are yet out of the house that Jesus has died and he has given his life and he has suffered for us. So therefore, remember, the basis of your strength rests upon the love of God. Amen, God. It rests upon the principle that he loves you so much that he gave his very best and he expects the best out of you. He expects the very best out of you. And so then, having said that, here's how you know or the world will know who you are. Remember, you are the children of God. God gave what was necessary to adopt you into the royal family. You've been pruned into the kingdom familyhood of that. <clears throat> having said that, then John 13, uh, 13 34 says, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one. Some of y'all went to Bible school. Love one another as I have loved you. You might well walk with me, Mr. Donald, but take two hours. It, it is important to say that because God, God so loved the world, he gave his son. And now he, he makes it clear. I give you a commandment those of you who are still hanging into the Old Testament, that you love one another as I have loved. Now, let me see how brave you are. Can you turn to the next person? He may be a big burly guy, whatever, and say to him, I love you. Oh, boy, what a quiet church this is. What a quiet church. It's, it's kind of a hard thing to say. Let me give you an experience. I came up in a family where my father didn't, I, I, don't, I can't ever remember, um, before about 15 years ago, being in church with him. In fact, I got, was to get baptized, and he stood between me and the baptismal pool because he had not given his life to Christ. And I never heard him say, I love you. Never. And he came to visit me in Alaska. My father's going to be with the Lord now about 10 years ago, 12 years ago. And on the way home, I went back with him, and we was in Seattle. And I said to him, Dad, I love you. And he said, boy, you all right? <laughs> I said, yes, I'm all right, but I love you, man. Because <clears throat> he, he was the kind of guy, if a man said I love you, he's a sissy. Now, you all know how far I'm going back to use that word. Yeah, yeah. 
But I got through to him. And one day, I was in St. Louis, Missouri, and I was sitting by my father's bed, and I saw my father, and I said to him, Dad, how old are you? He said, I'm 65. My dad died at 90, so that gave you an idea how long that was. And I said, Dad, how old was the oldest person you know in our family? How old did they live? He said, 80 years old. I said, Dad, do you want to take a chance on the next 15 years of losing your eternity by not seeking Christ in your life? And he didn't say anything. And God said to me, go around and hit him on the other side. I said, Dad, do you understand that 80 is the, is the oldest you know? It's not the average. The average may be 66. And I was doing a revival there for the Sun, Sunday Mount Baptist Church. And so he just turned and said, oh, boy, yeah, I'll do what I'm going to do. So I, the Spirit said, leave him alone. Well, I preached that revival, and I went home. And Brother John, one week later, uh, Donald Hunter, the pastor, called me. He said, Preacher, I got some news for you. I said, What kind of news is that? Because when the preacher called me, I'm thinking maybe saying my father's hurt or something. He said, Your dad came down the aisle and gave his life to Christ this morning. I said, Praise God! <laughs> Praise God. A month or two later, he called me and said, I got some news for you. I said, What's that? Your dad joined the senior usher board. <laughs> I said, is this the man who tell me he loved me? And so I went and picked him up to show my love for him. I went downtown, St. Louis, Missouri, and I got me a brand new town and country. Drove by and picked up my father, put $4,000 in my pocket, and I just picked him up and said, get in the car, we're going for a drive. Didn't even tell his wife. And she didn't see us again for another four days. And I said to him, talk to me because I need to know your love. Talk to me. Tell me. Who am I? And we talked and we drive and we pull up to a motel and we get and go to sleep. I stayed with him. I stayed with that dude day in and day because I wanted to know. And before my father died, he he learned to look at me and say, son, I love you. And now I know real men don't have a problem with that. I really love you. And I, I tell you, you, you got to do it. You got to do it. It's important. And so we find here Jesus said, this is how the world will know that you are my disciple. You can say all kind of stuff. But do they know you are my disciple? Do they know or are you just Bob or Tom or Jim? Do they know you're a Christian and you're not ashamed or embarrassed about your faith? Do they know that you are real? Do they know that you truly believe that God will deliver you out of every situation you find yourself in? Do you know? You're not going to be afraid to let people know who we are. And I don't care. Maybe because I'm going on 82 years old that I, I'll, I'll figure I don't have much left, so I got to use the time I got left. I don't know, but I don't care. Because I serve a risen Savior who is in the world today. And he's real for me. The Holy Spirit guides and directs and instructs and keeps me in all of my ways. 
And he says in all your ways, if you acknowledge him, he will direct your path. You are somebody. And so then he said, this is how they will know you're my disciples. If you have love one to another. That's John 13, 35. This is how they'll know. If you have love one to another. Now many of us have what I call hidden love. We love you, but we don't never tell you. We don't never tell you. And I remember in, in my life, I've, I was the kind of fella, and I'm still kind of that way, that I didn't like for my wife to get out and get lovey-dovey in the puppery. You know, she'd be right in the middle of something, kiss me. See, I kissed you last week. <laughs> and I, I, didn't, I didn't like that, but she said to me, if you can't be loving to me anywhere, everywhere, then you don't need to be loving to me anywhere. The biscuits start getting burned. <laughs> I didn't get no good hellos and what have you. And so John, I let you know that I learned how to take a kiss in the middle of Broadway. <laughs> I'm something saying to you, God wants you to be boastful, bold, strong, wherever you are, to claim his name. And so let me close with this. Paul says, after this whole stressful thing of gifts, he said, all these things are great, but I want to show you a more excellent way. Some of you say, I... I have the gift of knowledge. I speak with tongues. Paul said, though I speak with tongues, though I, I'm strong in my conversation, paraphrasing, if I don't have love, it's nothing. He said, though I command great amounts of resources and wealth, it doesn't mean anything. Though I'm, I know all about the scripture, though I'm able to talk in different languages, if I don't have love, it's nothing. So I want to challenge you today. There is a more excellent way. And that more excellent way is the way of Christ for us. It is that love suffers long. Love is kind. Love is patient. Love endures. Love, I'm, and why are you saying that, preacher? Because I know what you've been through lately. I know the pain, some of the pain. I know some of the anguish. I know some of the hurt. But I want to encourage you. Hang on in there. Because God is working a miracle in this congregation. You may not see it. Standing off from a distance. And keep in mind, I'm not just some flippant preacher who up here making some statement. I've been watching this church ever since the late 60s. And I've been aware of it ever since the early 60s. And I've been in Alaska for almost 60, or rather almost 58 years. And so I've had a connection with this church, and I've seen what it's gone through. I've seen, I can call out half the pastors, going back to John Maletti and John Doty and Bob Fisher and, 
and, uh, and, and come right on down to those you know who've been with you here lately. And so I know where you've been, what you've been, and I know that you've been tested here lately, but I want to encourage you, stand strong, because we are the people of God. We are his heritage. We are his shepherdry. Three things I would leave with you. Number one, you have the gifts and the power to do whatever God wants you to do. You really do. And the direction you're going, I'm, I'm excited about it. And we have some, some mountains to climb and some, and some road to cover. But God is in this with us. And don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Because, you see, he keeps us in all that we do. And some folk don't use the language of the Spirit, but I do. I want to use everything God got. I want to use prayer. I want to use love. I want to use the Holy Spirit. I want to use the Scripture. I want to use intuitiveness. I want to use a mindset. I want to use my power. I want to overcome fear. I want to be the man of God, and I want to be right down the middle of the road when he wants to use me. And I don't have no embarrassment when it comes to the Holy Spirit. I don't have no embarrassment when it comes to the Word of God. And I just don't care what Satan thinks. Paul said, say, we, we, are, we, are, we are not ignorant of his wiles. I don't care. But I want to say to you, I see what God is doing. And I want to encourage you as your executive minister, as your friend, as your brother. I want to encourage you. You're on the right road. I did a sermon once back some time ago, Kim, we called On the Right Road Going in the Wrong Direction. But you're on the right going in the right direction. And I want to say to you this morning, men, women, boys, and girls, God knows I love you. Don't cringe. Don't cringe. I love you. And I'm going to tell you every time I see you, walk through the hook. I, that was a guy in, in Anchorage. And I'm there, Pastor. That was a guy in Anchorage named Muldrow. And there was a pastor there by the name of Bill Lyons. Some of you all may have known him. And Bill Lyons was this little short preacher, and Muldrow must have been six foot five. He hung out at the clubs, and, and he did a lot of stuff, and he, he didn't care about insulting people. And his family attended church. And, and his wife and kids went, and, and they kept saying, Pastor, you need to try to talk to my husband because he don't know the Lord. And Bill was afraid to talk to Muldrow because Muldrow, would, 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 he didn't care about punching a preacher out. And so one day Bill said, I, I don't know, and, and his wife said to him, don't you preach that you can do all things through Christ? He said, yeah, but, but he said, well, wait a minute now. Didn't you say that you trust God in all things? He said, yeah. He said, well, then what's so, what's so different? So Bill got up one morning and prayed and said, God, I'm going in your name. And he stepped out, and he saw Modro coming, and he met him. And he walked up to him and says, Modro, you need Jesus in your life. Why did he do it? He said, because I was angry because here was a family man, a father, letting Satan throw his life and his family life away. You need Jesus in your life. John 
He said, Modro stood there. He said, New Modro, we're going to punch him at any moment. But he told God, if he punched me, he just punched me. He just looked at him. And this six foot four man standing there, tears began to run down his face. And Bill said he learned that day that there are no big and little hearts, every heart is the same size. There's no more or less love. See, God can't love you no more, but he can't love you no less. As a Christian, we can't love each other anymore, but God holds us not to love each other any less. We may do different things, but let me cap on this, Leslie. If you can't forgive, if you can't outlive little things, if you can't step back and start over again, Satan got you. And when Satan gets you in that crunch, how many of y'all are familiar with computers? Delete. It's exactly what he does to you. Delete because you have proven to be unavailable. There are givers, there are forgivers, and there's the unforgiven. Unbelief and unforgiveness is sin. There are those of you who would give your last dime for the church. There are those of you in this community who would give their bodies to be burned, depending on the situation. But none of that rates up to love. And even as I walk among you and share with some of you all, and you just kind of, this black man, I don't know what he's going to do. This is a brother. I love him. You know, I'm, I'm going to put that in there. Yeah, I love him. Uh, but I don't know how he feels. And some of you just broke through and said, Alonzo, man, that feels good. Because now all of a sudden, we've gone blind on each other. And I love you. It's as you are. How many of y'all remember some of what I said? The end. Amen. Amen.